Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm going to get you the, the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Spring has sprung. Kentucky football is back. And I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, I'm in a great mood today, Adam. Because like, football's here? Football's here. You know, we're, we're, we're mixing it up, talking ball with the coaches again. The sun is shining. It finally quit raining after two days. My my one and only problem, though, I've had this kind of thing where you ever get those days where you're drinking a lot of coffee and, like, you just can't seem to quench your thirst? Yeah, it, it, they do. It's the worst. And, I mean, I've chugged – I've got this big turvis over here. I've chugged three of these things. It's still not helping at all. Like, that would be about eight eight cups of coffee for the normal person. Yeah, but, three cups for Mister Roush. Yeah, but you know, we, now I've moved on to water, and it's it's not really cutting it. So I picked up from KS Office Shield by Sword Performance. Now I have some of the orange variety. What, what flavor are you sipping on over there? I've got berry over here. And see what I like about our friends, the the products that our friends at Sword make is that it's nice and it, it really just quenches the thirst right away. Because like some of those other products, they got a bunch of sugar, they got a bunch of junk, a bunch of calories, and it almost makes you thirstier. You know, so like it's like... I, you can taste the electrolytes. Exactly. It's got all of the electrolytes, the carbs that you need to refuel, and it's all natural. There's no preservatives, no dyes. No corn syrup like Miller Lite? No. <laughs> no chemical preservatives. <laughs> exactly, and and it's a good way to get feeling more hydrated when other when water just won't cut it. Mm-hmm. It's a great alternative. So try them out. Sword Performance. We're sipping on some Shield. They also have regular Sword. All natural ingredients. And in this bottle, there's only 28 calories. When you find yourself maybe a Sunday morning with a headache, really thirsty, but you need something with a little taste because sometimes water. Oh no you no, just no. Do it. You it, just, no! But you need all. some taste. Well, this, this can be the best of both worlds. So here's the thing, too, Adam Lockett. Our good friends at SWORD just recently started sponsoring uh, the 11 Personnel Podcast. Apparently, it's the best-kept secret that I didn't know about from Lexington, Kentucky. I'm, I'm, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me like, dude, just drink some before you go out and when you wake up after a long night. I had a couple long nights this weekend, and I wish I would have had a case handy to, to, to put those hangovers to bed. So... Do yourself a favor. Go out, get you some sword today. A big thanks to Sword for sponsoring this podcast because we need to be filled up. We've got a lot to talk about since we were at the combine less than a week ago. Kentucky has started spring practice. Um, we've had conversations with players. One of those conversations uh, with Wayne and Young is actually going to be on this podcast. I want to switch things up a little bit. You won't just Trying hear out something new. You won't just hear Adam and I's voice. You can get a little change of pace, but. The big 
breakaway or not breakaway. Takeaway. Yes. We talked to Mark Stoops in I mean, it's one of the most eventful thirty minute press conferences. It was very informative. I mean, we took a lot away from that. The most Q&A. informative Q and A ever was definitely the season opener at twenty eighteen. Because this is when we found out Josh Pascal and John right. Sharman right. both had cancer. Yeah. And there was just a lot to digest from that one. But this one from a – it touched on college football rules. It touched on uh, recruiting. It touched on position changes. And also the addition of a 10th assistant coach. And that will not be Mike Stoops out of market. Uh, and he started off with that with – I think I don't know if it was the first question the or second he just, question. He just first, addressed it himself. I think the first question was injury report, and they were like, "So, what about that tenth assistant?" He's like, "Well, uh, it's not going to be Mike." <laughs> yeah, I think there might be a little more to that story than we're getting. Yeah. So here's my initial, like, I, I think part of why that he was going to wait a while to hire Mike was because I think Mike wanted to be a defensive coordinator somewhere, and he was kind of holding out okay. to see if another one came up. Which that makes sense. You know, you want to be a play caller instead of a position coach. Mm-hmm. But then I wonder if he kind of got the word that, like, it wasn't going to fly. I don't right. know. But e- either way, it, it's not happening. I wonder if – because if he knew that he wasn't going to be able to hire him, they would have hired someone else. Like, they would like they would have went to the AFCA, the coaches' convention, which they have during the national championship. Mm-hmm. And that's where a bunch of people – Interviewed for jobs, and a bunch of people get hired from that. A lot of resumes change. I don't think Kentucky really probably did that because they thought they had Mike Stoops in the bag. Mm -hmm. So something, I think, something went wrong along the way. And then we had Football Scoop that report that, what was it, a couple weeks ago. Right. Then we heard from UK. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, there was – it was immediately like, no, I don't think so. Yeah, so something something happened there. I don't know if maybe – because they had to get some – there was some type of nepotism rule that UK has, the university has, that they were going to have to get a yes, waiver for pretty much. State law. Right. Um, and it's so you don't have situations like Bobby Petrino. Um, so, the thing yeah. is, though, is like it would have – I think it would have passed because he's more than qualified for the job. So, like, why – Right. You know? Right. Like, because I, I think that's the basis of the law is you have to be qualified mm-hmm. for the job. That He's you're former Power have. Five head coach, former Power Five defense coordinator yeah, for, for over a decade. Yeah, exactly. So he had the qualifications. And the way that Mark explained it, though, was, you know, he just kind of wanted to say at Alabama, which that's also a sweet gig. You don't mm-hmm. have to deal with the Not recruiting. Of, you would have had a bunch of fans like, oh, Mark is yeah. bringing his Mark yeah. Stoops up there. There would have been some yeah. fan kind of pushback. I also wonder if there was a conversation between the two of them about, you know, Mike wanted – if he was going to come, he wanted to be coordinator at Kentucky. And I don't know if Mark was going to have that. Mark was not going to let that happen. So, you know, with Brad White being here, and then it kind of seems like he's tutoring Summerall to be that next guy. Yeah. Once White leaves. Yeah. So, so interesting. I think there's a little bit more to that. But because Kentucky, they're in, a, they're in a weird spot right now because everybody else has been hired. Spring ball started. Yep. And so, in his place to have a tenth assistant, uh, Frank Buffano, mm-hmm. the director of ops, is acting assistant coach. Um, I know he has experience on the defensive side of the ball uh, with but, the uh, linebackers. Mark Stoops is going to be coaching that position in the spring. I oh, mean, DBs. They're bringing Buffano out there to do something. Oh, he's doing endos and stuff. Yeah, but Stoops is yeah. going to be coaching the DBs. And Stoops is going to be coaching yeah. that group. Yeah. 
Um, but thing about Frank Buffano, all you need to know, dude's name is Buff. Like, mm-hmm. it, come on, that dude knows football. I, that's all you had to tell me. His Director of Ops, too, he's the head coach's right-hand man for the most part. Yeah, Brez, Dan Brezowitz is technically it because he's chief of staff. He's got like a mm-hmm. – even he's like director of football. He is super director of football operations, mm-hmm. whereas Buffano is just director of football yeah. ops. And Buffano, he was a GA at Arizona when Stoops was there. So they go way back. Yeah, he went to Youngstown State, went uh, coached at Cardinal Mooney. Stoops is uh, – uh, high school. Yep. Where uh, they went and got Courtney Love and uh, Marcus McWilson and a couple other folks. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of where things stand as of now in the assistant uh, coaching front. Lucky, what was your next biggest takeaway from that press conference? I, I'm wondering where you kind of went from there. I didn't because... love what they said about the guard spot. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Did you did you hear any of Sharman's remarks today or Eddie Grant's? I heard uh... – Schlarman say that that Kennard's future position might just be guard anyway, and they're going to cross-train Quentin Wilson, so we may slide it down here. But I, the way I look at it is they're bringing up – if they're considering Kennard, moving Kennard down, mm-hmm. who's one of the best right tackles in the in college football. Mm. Shows you they don't think too highly of Yeah, the what they have they on the roster. There. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. So uh, I think they're – Horsey is the guy right now, and – they're going to throw him out there and see how he does. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, he just takes ownership, really does well this spring, and then right. you've got that Andrew Salt. But if you don't, you enter fall camp with, you know, your hands up. You don't really know. You're going to throw a freshman in there. I think losing, not having Flax in for the spring really yeah. hurts that right there. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that – I mean, that's obviously a concern because that – the old lines on paper should be the strength of the offense – and they've got all four positions locked down, but offensive line opposed any other positional unit on the football field. It's five guys moving at once, working together. You can have two first-round picks on your offensive line, and you can still be a bad offensive line if the other three pieces yeah. aren't there. Well, so, I, now, it's nice that he's – whoever it is, it's going to be between Drake Jackson and Landon Young. But, I, you know, that's a position that they're going to have to figure out. And I did, I just didn't love – I, I didn't hear much confidence from the coaching staff in their comments. Well, A, I think in in part the the lack of confidence comes from, like, you're not going to – you you don't want to say this is our guy when you've got six months for them to fight it out mm-hmm. and, you know, see who's the best of the best. But, I, I mean, I was surprised as well. I, I had not considered the Kennard move back to guard option just because he played so well at right tackle. Now, right. I think part of the reason why they're considering that, though, is because that's probably what he's going to play at the next level. Um, just from a, a size standpoint, that's probably what he projects out best. So they would probably be kind of throwing him a bone if they did that. But he was so good at right tackle last year. You know, why would you? Why would you want to do that? Right. And then if you do that, like Nasir Watkins has had injury issues every year he's been here. So it, easily he could be lost for you know, time or a year or a few weeks. So I, I think that was – that's something to keep a very close eye on, I think, this spring. Mm-hmm. And if spring ends and we don't hear that Horsey's maybe has, you know, improved a lot or getting a lot of ground, then I think you're entering fall camp where some of the newcomers that are coming in are going to get a shot 
correct rotation. And you, we could be entering a season where they're just going to rotate dudes in there, three, three yeah. or so guys, and see what sticks. Now, um, I also thought it was they were like, no, we're just going to keep Fortner right. We're not going to make him do left. So mm-hmm. I guess he's just comfortable in that spot. They're going to keep him there. Right. Um, now, the one uh, part of it that I was more encouraged with that, I mean, I haven't written about it yet. There's a lot to digest from these last few days. Um, but we got actually got to speak to Horsey, who, if you all don't know Kenneth Horsey's story, it's fascinating. He almost died three years ago. They found an infection in his heart. His kidney started hurting, found an infection in his heart. When you find infections on somebody's heart, they typically die, like shortly afterwards. Right. It's typically too late once you find it. They cracked open his chest. He has open heart surgery. They don't know what caused it, but they know it's gone. They know he's moved on. And the kid, obviously, is very kind of just grateful to be in a position where he's able to run with the ones right now. Um, And... I, I just I, – I like the um, the kind of calm from him. It, I don't know what it is like it, but I just relate well to offensive linemen. I, like when I talk to him now, I, they just seem like the most normal, level-headed dudes. Whereas, like, let's be honest, your quarterbacks, your receivers, they all got egos. Uh, salt of the earth position. Exactly. And that's what we are, if nothing else, is nothing but <laughs> some south end, cold, tall, domestic, salt of the earth. Um and I, I just appreciated the the kind of calm he had in that. And then also that he was, like, not taking this opportunity for granted. So, hopefully he can develop. He lost a lot of weight. He lost a lot of fat. Yeah, now I think at the roster they had him at 290, 295. Yes. Um, so, he's he's lost some weight. I thought the biggest story, like, it besides that guard position, which really we're going to be talking about over the next, you know, hell, till the game starts right. in fall, mm-hmm. is – what we kind of thought was going to happen, and that's Josh Pascal moving back down to defensive end. He's ball, he's at 274 on that roster. Just go ahead and put 275. You're a ham sandwich away from 275. Like, come on. And that's what that's what Josh Pascal's been at ever since Stoops was teasing him about it after his freshman year. Like, go ahead and eat that extra steak, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. just just come on, bulk up and get down to defensive end. And it adds some athleticism to that position. And you and he's. That's that's the spot made for him because right. he's not quite twitchy enough. He didn't have that burst that you really want on your your edge, but a defensive end and a five technique, like he can abuse some dudes, especially on some stunts inside. Well, like, he'll he, just overpower people. He becomes real twitchy for that position. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it fits him well. It adds depth there. I think part of the reason why they did it obviously was because they lost T.J. Carter, Calvin Taylor. But I think the other obvious part is they're looking pretty good at outside linebacker. Right. I think that's the bigger thing. They feel really good about where they're sitting with edge. With Jordan Wright and J.J. Weaver at Jack, potentially Xavier Peters. Then on the other side, Boogie Watson owning that down. Um, who's backing up him might be a question because on the roster, Jerry Casey was listed as ILB. Yeah, that was um, also a – not even something that's been addressed yet. Like, we just got a roster today and we're like, huh, well, this wasn't – talked about at all mm-hmm. so who would it be because Bembry was listed as an inside linebacker too would it be Katie McDaniel your boy my guy that's <laughs> your boy mm-hmm. which you, I think we see again here they really like where their edges are mm-hmm. and in Jared Casey's case they're two starters this year the, the top three inside guys are juniors right and hell two of them could go pro after this year 
Uh, well, specifically Chris Holtz, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Especially him. Independent on how things fall. But that that was a position where they were hurting a little bit more for death. Also, Casey, you know, he, he's got a lot of speed to rush. But he's not the biggest dude. In high school, he played he played both. But I, like, he looked like more of an inside linebacker when you watched his tape in high school. Um, but he, he had the, the potential to play both. And I think in the recruiting process, I think he probably wanted to play that kind of edge spot. And that's what Kentucky kind of sold him on. But now there's a chance for him to really step in and be the fourth linebacker in that rotation. You know, you look at DeAndre Square Oates and Jamin Davis are interchangeable because they can both, like, Square not so much, but Davis and Oates can play both Mike and Will. Yeah. And so I think Kentucky feels really strong about that three. But after that, it's a question mark. You lost Trey Wilkins. We learned Derek Jackson's not practicing now. Yeah, his uh, his shoulders. There's just going to be a lot of reps there this spring and this fall coming up. So why not throw them in there? Mm -hmm. Now, we we glossed over J.J. Weaver. I I wanted to to go back to J.J. Weaver because dude changed his number to 13. 13. And I wrote a word in a post I never thought I'd write, and that's palindrome. If JJ and Boogie are in at the same time, we've got a palindrome, and I freaking love it. Thirteen and thirty-one. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It's perfect synchronization. Showing off your vocabulary. The perfect there. sack lunch synchronization. They're just pow 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 pow. Mm-hmm. In 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 general, how Stoops the, the complimentary aspects in which he talked about Boogie. There, I I think it was it was really nice the way the defense set up last year because. I couldn't tell you how many times I wrote stories in 2017, like game five, about oh, Josh Allen's not getting as many sacks anymore. What's the deal? Where the, I think that kind of happened with Boogie. And Stoops even said he kind of hit those walls for a little while. Well, it was really Boogie at the beginning of the year. He just wasn't very good. He got off of a very slow start to the year. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we probably called him out once or twice. No, it was a South Carolina game. And he even said, he's like, oh, I started reading some real stuff. And I realized, all right. Time to get it together. Yeah. And now he's – is he the leading SEC soccer returning? From last year, yeah. Yeah. And career, I think he has 13 and a half career sacks. It's Some, something around there. He's got a legit chance to enter top five UK all-time sack leader. Yeah, with some big, big mm-hmm. names. Like if he gets – I think it's nine or ten, which is realistic. Yeah. He can get the top five. Which is a big deal. And that's kind of where Stoops is projecting with him. And you know what? The, the trajectory at which he's progressed, I don't see why he couldn't be that successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the flip side, as praiseworthy as he was for Boogie, he dogged Xavier Peters. Uh, yeah. I mean, absolutely dogged him. And, like, my favorite, I'm, I'm just going to read the whole quote because cause it's pretty funny. Also, we forgot Sam Minnelli's in that group, too. <laughs> They're loaded on edge. Right, like, but, it, but it, he's headed towards a red shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's on a red shirt. But as far as, like, yeah, Jared, just go play mm-hmm. Will. Go play Will. Um, but here, here's the quote that we have on Xavier Peters. I don't want to get in specifics to try to throw him under the bus, but we have expectations here. We're going to do things a certain way. We're going to do things right. It goes for him or anybody else. There's the little caveat. When you reach those expectations and play to our standard and do things to our standard, as far as going to school and tutors and workouts, and you can handle your business, then you'll have an opportunity to do it on the field. Until then, there won't be any. Again, I'm talking in general. 
You can read <laughs> between the lines or however you want to do it. He's doing some good things, doing better. He's drawing a line in the sand, and it's nut up or shut up time for yep. Xavier Peters. Like, yeah. dude's either going to get his shit together this spring, or he's going to, or he's not going to be on the team next year. Plain and simple. They've got seventy nine scholarship players on the field on campus right now. Mm-hmm. They got eleven kids coming in. Five got to go. Mm-hmm. We he, already saw one. Looks like Alex King. Oh, he he's he's already out. There's five more that have okay. to go after him. There you yeah. go. Yeah, Alex King, player you may have forgotten about because. Yeah, what class did he even sign in? I want to say 16 or 17. Feels like forever ago. Yeah, he would be a redshirt junior this year, I think. Is that it? They got him a medical waiver, so he'll be able to finish out academically. I think he was a good kid. He just was never going to be good enough to crack the rotation. So they got him a – Class of 2017. So they got him a waiver to where he can finish under scholarship and not take up one of their 85. Mm -hmm. Um, But with Xavier Peters, man, it's – I I like it, though. I like a good public challenge because, you know what, they can afford to do it. They're loaded there. I mean, just a year ago, though, Jordan Wright was at a similar spot. And it worked out well. And Brad that. White, at, after the spring game, kind of threw him under the bus. Ooh, it was. I think it was before, right? Because then Wright had a good game, and he was like, why don't you do that all the time, Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> it was really just in practice. They, You know, you never knew what you were going to get from him. I think that's a slow flow in him, though. He just yeah. can't help it. Yeah. They're a, with those Ohio kids, they're a little bit more – Oh. Harder on them, I feel like. Well, and that kind of goes to what Stoops also talked about, too, when he was asked about transfers. He's like, you know, sometimes he, he kept it wishy-washy, and he didn't take a stance either way because he needs to be able to play both sides. Mm-hmm. A, some kids just got to transfer to make room for others. You've got to get your best players in the program. But he also was like, you know, sometimes you got to be hard on kids. you got to hold their feet to the fire and hold them accountable. you got to be the grown-up. Mm-hmm. And – and I, this is what this is his ultimate challenge is Xavier Peters, and I hope for the kid's sake he gets it together, because, I mean, just despite everything, they Kentucky, he's also not a true freshman anymore. Yeah, exactly. You you've been in uh, it's his third year in college. Exactly. So, just for his sake, I hope he gets it together. Kentucky could be just fine without him too. It could. They got plenty of talent across the board. Mm-hmm. It would certainly be nice to have him, but if not, I, I, that's why I'm just. I, I hope he figures out, hey, if I just show up to things and do what I'm supposed to do, it's pretty. It's, it's like that revelation that I had about three years into school that, like, hey, if you just show up to class and do your homework, you're going to get at least a C, probably a B because you're paying attention. And then if you study just a little bit, you're going to get an A. It's not that hard if you just do what you have to do. And just I think do your job. And I think that's what Stoops is trying to get over to, through to Xavier Peters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean – I think there's obviously it's now or never for him. After last year, all that went on. And so you look at that position too, there's, you know, two good players there right now. Yeah. That they can trust. Yeah, and there's valuable minutes. To be, I think they would have him at Sam because he does move really well in space. Um, so I think they would probably have him backing up Boogie because McDaniel always struck me as more of a jack than a Sam. Mm-hmm. But well, the thing about McDaniel is he's only six two, so you might probably want him playing off the ball a little more. Right, and, and then Sam, when you're rushing the passer, it's come, you're coming from more short areas usually, mm-hmm. where the Jack is is more playing. They got got that got guy playing more and kind of down on the line more in space, I guess. You're getting, taking a lot more hits. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, I got, I got, I got moved. But too. the the position can be it can be interchangeable, especially when it comes to what they do pass rushing wise. Yes. Um. Man, that was a lot we just unpacked right there. And with Pascal moving the DL, the DL rotation, it's going to be as deep yeah. as Kentucky's ever been. They're going to legit be they're going to be legit three deep at each position. They can play ten to twelve guys, like Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes. Yeah, are coming into play. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and then you add, you know, everything, everybody, everybody they got back, and then Abulio Body Fitzgerald's out this spring. I think that's a big opportunity for Day Day Hawkins and Quay Mahone. Oh, they're in. Um, we got to walk up this second spot now, mm-hmm. or it's it's gone. Right, and then we're not even talking about Isaiah Gibson, who I really like coming out of high school, and Kavon Butler, who had an Alabama offer. They had him at nose. Yeah, I saw that. That that's. That's three badass noses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's a nice little old murderer's row right there. Yeah. Like you said, that's Amar Stewart walked into a pretty good spot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be a, a great, like, oh, what's your first uh, Power Five job? Oh, just SEC with uh, one of the best recruiting classes and a uh, future NFL nose. Mm-hmm. Future Pascal's well on his way to being a draft pick too. If he, you would think so. Yeah, I'm really interested to see him full time. See what it looks like because we haven't really seen it. Because we were supposed to see it in 2018 mm-hmm. and didn't get it. 2017. Happened, it was fun just watch him in that magic package where they throw him in that that hit he had. It was his first game. It was down at Southern Miss. It was about 90 thousand degrees down there, and they ran a little stunt. They tried to throw a uh, slip screen to Edo Smith, and he about knocked. Edo Smith's head off. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. They was that on at the end of the game. Yeah. Should have been a safety. I, refs, they give way too much forward progress on safeties. Yeah, they don't like calling safeties. I know. Sure. Like, come on. And also, I, this was one of the things that Banner Society wrote. Why? Safeties should be worth more than two points. They should be worth ten. It never happens. Make it more valuable. That's how things work, right? That's how yeah. it should work. Not just two points. Two points is weak sauce. Give me some more. All right, a few other things. Um, a lot more things. Quarterback. Man, we went through 30 minutes of a podcast almost and didn't talk about quarterbacks. I don't <coughs> – excuse me. I don't know what well, – there's not much to talk about. I mean, Terry is going to throw, but he's not in anything big. Yeah, he's not doing seven on sevens yet. He's not doing 11 on 11. Scalzo's out. Yep. You look at that – Get into that 85 number like you talked about. Like, this is big sprint. Uh, Amani Gilmore, Scalzo's out. Mm-hmm. You're going to get plenty of reps. Mm-hmm. You need to, like, show something. Yep. The, right now. Sawyer's with the ones. Yeah, so Sawyer's rolling with the ones. And then they're basically divvying up twos and threes among the next three. So, Bo Allen, uh, Monty Gilmore, and Joey Gatewood. And it's really because Sawyer knows the offense. When they come in, they, they want to be rolling. No mistakes from an execution standpoint. So I'm kind of surprised Sawyer's going. I guess I figured he would have surgery. He'd be out. But I think that was a little bit of a surprise to me. But good news. I mean, do you need to have surgery if you separate your shoulder? I guess you're right. Broken yeah. bone in your wrist. Just heals, you know. I guess. The in uh, Henshaw actually said, Separated shoulder and broken wrist. That's the first time a coach has said what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Which I know it's their way, but damn it, why didn't they just say that? Like, it's just football. It just drives me nuts. Secrecy. I know, but like, 
I mean, why am I writing posts about Sawyer Smith, why he didn't play more than one play to hand it off against Tennessee? He had a freaking separated shoulder and a broken wrist. That's why he didn't play. Mm-hmm. That's just annoying. But all of that goes back to saying that the most encouraging thing I heard from the coaches, they're basically like, yeah, Terry, he's only like throwing right now, but he's probably going to be doing team stuff by the time they come back from spring break. Which is – Yeah, it sounds like he's ahead of schedule in the recovery. Much – yeah. <laughs> much ahead of schedule. So, uh, And it looks like he's been hitting the weights hard oh, while his knee's been big son of a wrapped up. Right now, yeah. And just seeing him out on the practice field, like just from a uh, morale standpoint, like I was asking Josh Ali, like, you know, and immediately a smile just lights well, up on his face. I'm sure the receivers are happy. Oh man, to have him back. super happy to have him back. And just in general, you, I, I think the investment that we talked about, how they're kind of all in on Terry, like it's for a good reason because they believe in him. In that, and and I think when they go back and watch film too, they look at how good he was playing, um, which kind of goes back to. Think about the job the coaches had to do in the offseason, figuring out where players needed to improve. They had to go back and look at tape from fall camp and two games right. just to get stuff on receivers. Right. Yeah, I, I, we've talked about this, but I think they were – that Florida game, they were building up and they were probably holding some stuff back. And they never really got to unleash it because Terry got hurt. So, yeah, I think that's – we don't we don't know what he was going to be last year. So, that's obviously going to be a mystery going mm-hmm. into this season. But – from just getting back to a normal offense, I think it has a lot of people probably excited. Like, as much as they accomplished last year and how good it was. Oh, yeah. Coaching job. I think Darren Henshaw's happy to be coaching a quarterback <laughs> that's going to throw the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, hell, you're a quarterback's coach. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's why you got into this profession for. Um, I'm sure some of the OL didn't miss – Pass setting forty times a game or thirty times a game, yeah, yeah. so they're gonna have to get used to that. But <laughs> the um, in in all these cases too, like I, I love to Eddie Grand right off the bat is like, oh yeah, he's he's doing win stuff right now. We're just rolling him everywhere, mm-hmm. just senior. What, whatever we got to do to get him the ball, play a lot of football. Still not gonna see Isaiah Epps. Yeah, what which the hell? keeps lingering. But, he get it, the, that thing cut off. <laughs> I don't know, man. Jesus, he broke his foot in August. I know. It's, it's March. It was. I wonder if he aggravated it when he came back. Or he something. had. He had to. Have, he had to have done something. So you're not gonna have him, but he's not good. But I think, I think the, my impression is Grant's comfortable with three receivers, and really that's all you need in this offense: Cleveland Thomas, Josh Alvey, Allen Daly. It's pretty solid three. Yeah, he said they were moving Daly around. Yeah, which I think Daly, that's that's what he needs to do. He needs to be outside, um, raising a little bit more hell. He's been inside his whole career. I actually like him inside on third downs. I thought early in the season he did a good job getting open, and he's a big intermediate intermediate I mean, he's, target. He's basically a tight end at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and up until this point, you can trust him more than you can trust the tight ends, just mm-hmm. based on what they've proved so far. Um, and aside from that, it's kind of – all right, who wants it? Go get it. Uh, Bryce Oliver, you know, you like him because what he can do is jump balls. Now I think it's, all right, let's diversify that. Let's let's do a little bit more. Low-key, that receiver room's got a lot of upperclassmen. Yeah. You look at all those guys you just named are all at least juniors. 
and then Oliver's redshirt sophomore. So three year guys. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of experience there, and that's a position that. All right, what they did last year was great, but they that's still been an issue throughout this Snoop's tenure. It's just been wide receiver play. Yeah. So they need they need to be better. Hell, and even like you said, Bowden <laughs> had some right poor play at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, it started last year before he really got things going. Um, but uh, so it's good to hear just some some optimism. It's also good to just hear from the players, right? You know? Just to get back in the mix of things, spring football. You know, why don't we just go ahead and take a listen to what what they had to say today? How about that? Like Let's it? do it. So Wayne and Young, he proposed to his longtime girlfriend, and they're getting hitched soon. And I had a conversation with him about his spring practice. Take a listen. Hey, check New York Bozo, New York Bozo. So you're getting hitched? Yeah. How did that go? It went really well. I'm excited. Uh, went down to Tennessee, got my my family, her family all together, and uh, uh, pop a big question. We've been together two and a half years. So, so were you more nervous to ask the family first or ask, actually ask her? I don't know. It was probably about a tie between her and her dad. Her, her dad had me, even though I'm, I was pretty sure he was going to say yes, it had me sweating bullets the whole drive. We went uh, up to a gun shop in Richmond where she didn't really uh, suspect anything, and, and we had to talk in the car. And I was uh, definitely uh, very, very nervous the whole ride there and the whole ride back until I finally asked him. But uh, that whole day, uh, I played it real cool around her, but I was very nervous that day too. I was having to use the restroom here and there and <laughs> trying to hide this daggum ring around like all my parents and everything. And so, uh, But she seemed surprised, and it was pretty fun. And he, and he did it after going – to the gun shop too and he's got a car full of guns oh no so oh. i asked yeah i asked her dad <laughs> for permission at going to a gun shop and uh so uh, that, that, i still feel yeah, like that's it's, a, bad it's a bad time combination but it's only it's only excuse i could think of <laughs> uh no but uh it was a uh, quite a few weeks later uh when we went down to gatlinburg and mm-hmm. uh this weekend and uh, ask a question. It's still it's one of those things where even though you probably knew she was going to say yes, you're still nervous. I mean, were you were you more nervous for that than like a football game or playing Ford or something like that? Absolutely. You know, I get nervous for a game, but this is a little different. This is the rest of your life, and you got to realize that you know I'm only doing this once, so I got to make it right, and I want to make it special for her because you know, she knows I love her, and uh, I want to give her the world, and. Uh, uh, so, of course, I had butterflies, and I was just nervous about, you know, <laughs> did I get the right ring? Did I, right, did I, right. Is she going to like it? Am I going to ask her in the right way? Is like, is there going to be too many people, too little people? Like, mm-hmm. all the things that I know she would think about in that situation. So, have you already picked out the centerpieces for the ceremony? Uh, she has, yes. She, <laughs> she has uh, a lot of stuff. We've got a guest list. We, she's got this whole book that she's already planning out the wedding, but we're gonna, it's going to be here in three and a half, four months. So, we're getting oh, wow. getting it done in July before season starts. Oh wow! Yep, and uh, so we're going to be hitched going into season that way afterwards, and all the combine prep and all that stuff happens, so we can just be settled down and uh, ready to go. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my only advice is take Michael Leach's advice. Just be good at saying yes, and whenever like, all right, does she really want my opinion? That's that's the hardest part. Just get good at knowing what she wants you to say yes to. Whatever makes her happy. They always say happy wife, happy life, and they're right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, football. What's it like having to figure out who's playing next to you now that Stenberg's gone? It's a difficult task, and uh, especially when you played with a guy for multiple years coming up. Um, 
when you finally put somebody next to you, it's it's every single thing you have to learn about that person, and they have to learn every single thing about you. Even if you have had a couple reps, it's nothing like spending a whole season next to somebody. So, you know, you got to learn what they do on combos. It's going to be different than the last person. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you have to change your footsteps? How do you, you have to change your aggression, your, your hand placement, you know, your communication, all those factors where, like, Stenberg and me, we were a well old machine. Mm-hmm. Like I could look at him and he could pretty much read what I was saying right. uh, in in my mind. And you know, our, our combos are like second nature. But now you get a guy that you sort of, you know, you're a younger guy that you took under your wing, and you're sort of teaching him the position with Drake and all the other older guys along with playing next to him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it was nice to have a, a, an older guy that was sort of knew knew his role in that position. But it's also going to be fun getting a younger guy into that position, getting him into that you know starting rotation, and get him into playing time. Nice, well, enjoy spring, man. Appreciate it. Rick Flair, Rick Flair. A big congrats to Landon and Haley. Couldn't be happier for him. But look, it, it's pretty insane to try to get married in four months, right? Yeah, that's I couldn't imagine doing that. <laughs> like. Fast movers. Drew Franklin's been engaged for like two years now. He's on <laughs> he's on the uh, Roy and Pam plan right now. They're just going to be engaged for. Well, I guess Jack Pilgrim, Jack. He's he's kind of on the been on the fast track as well. But I can't blame him though. You don't want to have to. You don't. Uh, I don't want to say that. It sounds bad saying that. You'd rather be a hundred percent focused on going to the NFL than focus on a wedding as well. That's that's the right way to say it. Not you don't want to be distracted by. <laughs> That's a bad way to say it. Yeah, uh, not a good start to the marriage. No, no, no. But a big congrats to to Lane and Haley who are getting hitched. And hell, I I said it before, but I used to relate to these guys because they were in class with me, and now I relate to them because we're wedding planning. Yeah, getting married and having kids. So kind of a a, a wild turn of events, but. Um, you know, and I also like what Wayne had to say too. Like when they're figuring out that left guard spot, it's good that you got Drake and Lane in there to for them to kind of lean on. But they also they got to figure out how they're going to be able to rely on him. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's like me and Stenberg, you can just kind of give him a look, and you know, right? I mean, that's that's what I was getting at earlier. Mm-hmm. It's not just one person. More than any other position, it's all five of those guys working together. Especially. So, PFF had another one of their stats. They're really good at earmarking stats to, like, leak out for graphics. Like, mm-hmm. just to keep it, give them some buzz. Their social media team, very good job. Because they released a stat that UK's offensive line, three yards before running backs received contact. Yeah, that's the old uh, Vance metric. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of the term. Adjusted line yards. <laughs> that's, so that's So it's <laughs> how many yards before like contact. So like that's how in some analytical world how they kind of judge offensive lines. It's that in like sack rate. It's so like the old school metrics. They Kentucky's running backs were getting three yards down the field mm-hmm. before they got touched. That's the that was the best rate among power five in college football last year. And a lot of that is how well do the guards get up to the next level and hit the linebackers? Right. And it's, you know, based a lot of it's based on touch and feel. Well, and double it comes down to, like, if you're going to evaluate that as, much, as, as best as you can, like, how do the offensive line – like, when is the offensive line jobs over and when does it come, like, the runner's job to, after, so many, after so much 
space, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, so anyway, they but, put it plainly. When does the running back? When does it his job to make people miss? And when is it the line's job to get people out of the way? Right. And it seems like Kentucky was doing that as well as any. Exactly. Last year. Um, and, and just to touch on the running backs, because that's the one group I don't think we've talked about. Ooh, that in DBs. Which DBs? That's a whole mess. That's going to be a – it's going to be a – let's go, go to spring practice and just watch them. Yeah. Because there's going to be guys that played a lot last year that just aren't going to get time. Yeah, it's it, – yeah, it's 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 a loaded position, man. <laughs> and, but to say like, the least. It's like Eddie said with his running backs, so though, with Tisdale and McLean, it's like – all right, these three guys. I know what you can do. Yeah, they can be running back more than any play. What can you do? Go, go show me. Yeah, it's kind of McLean versus Tisdale. It's kind of a, a big spring matchup to watch. It's pretty sure. sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer, you know, you don't have your walk-ons that are like your fifth guy, your fourth and fifth guy. Aren't yeah, there's going to be a lot of hitting this spring that, that probably hasn't happened in the past because of the numbers. You even look at their walk-ons. they got a lot of walk-ons in the program right now. 111 Which is good. total players, eight were sidelined with injuries. Terry Wilson, Devontae Robinson, we mentioned Isaiah Epps. Abule's out. Uh, that was a big one who played a lot of snaps last year. Played in all 13 games. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some other significant absences. Devon, you said Devontae Robinson, yeah. Todd Dodson. Yeah, ooh, that, that's, that's a bummer because I thought he played well last year in mm-hmm. his. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to seeing him because I thought he could maybe be, when they go nickel, that – Safety they bring in when Devontae goes, slides down inside. Right, right. So with his absence, it you're kind of looking at Quantre Mosley. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Tyro Asian, obviously, and then Mo, Mo Douglas who redshirted last year. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know and him not being out there is an opportunity for him to maybe pass him up. And then that corner, you know, how about what he said about Kelvin Joseph? Boss man fat. I love it. Stoops was. I mean, he's not that. Uh, I'm trying to look for the word that like that optimistic about a lot of players. Ooh, he pumps he pumps gas on him. Yeah, but when Not, you hear him talk about him, he it's was pouring like, gas on Bossman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, so a couple things I've learned about him because I'm really just kind of surveying others to kind of figure out who this Kelvin Joseph is. And first off, I like that he just it's his so his rap name Kelvin Joseph's rap name is you know the vibe. YKDV, boss man fat. Well, apparently the other players, they just call him fats, which oh. is just awesome. And uh, Stoops is the thing he had to say about Kelvin is, you know, he's a big physical guy. And I wish I could pull up who sent it, but somebody said they don't call him skinny. That was my guy, boss Drew man Daniel. skinny. Yes. Drew, oh, Drew, yeah. you're in the Twitter Hall of Fame. That is incredible. Um, man, but that, Josh Ali, he was the same thing. He's like, man, he's just physical. But he's always said he doesn't. When they do one on ones, he's it's he it's him and Brandon Eccles. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we found out who's the field and who's the boundary corner. Mm-hmm. Um, with Joseph being the big physical guy and Eccles, just go hawk him. And then you got now you have Dort and Brown, who both started a good chunk of last season coming off the bench. Yeah, and it's a matter of. But the early returns on Kelvin Joseph, the fan base is already already knows who he is, which is saying a lot for a corner. We're number so, one too. Yeah, people are excited about him. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I'm excited to see him. How about Joey Gaywood rocking the deuce? 
Do you think he knows, like, being a quarterback at Kentucky and wearing number two, kind of a big deal? Probably not. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> but you know what? He's going to know because, damn it, there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of stories written about it. We're going to have Tim Couch doing interviews. I don't think it'll be necessarily Tim Couch sitting down with Drew Barker for an interview. Oh, um, yeah. The old days. Oh, man. It probably doesn't look great on uh, – Great on uh, in hindsight, you know. Yeah, that that didn't I'm work sure, out. I'm sure as those planned. clips don't uh, age too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, boss man fat. We'll get to talk to him on Thursday. I'm pumped when they'll be able to open. I don't know when they're going to open up a practice for us, but I'm just going to. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Apparently, fats a boy. He he doesn't do a lot of trash talking though, which was disappointing to hear. I don't believe that. That's what Ali said. Whereas Brandon Eccles, he. He's like, yeah, he's talking trash to me. Walking. Have back you seen the vi- Have you seen the camp video of Kelvin Joseph in a one on one? Oh, some rivals him, camp or they something. Had him like Mike. Oh yeah, he's drawing the whole. Entire Where it, time. it's uh, their press man. It's basically the drill is like press man get receiver get a release off the line of scrimmage, and the re- whatever receiver he went just didn't even get past the line, <laughs> and then he was talking though. He talked the whole time. See, that's I. Fired up. I wish I could be out there, but I got to remember today it was just helmets. It's just helmets tomorrow right. or Thursday. It's going to be just shells on Saturday. Yeah, and their practice is ending at 1 o'clock, so they probably won't even do media because it's during the Kentucky Florida game. like On Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who the hell wants to go to that? Um, but spring practice is cranking up. Folks are getting excited. The combine, we were there last week. We got a little cleanup duty. What did you think about uh, our guys' performance there? Yeah, I thought they did. They did well. Fine, fine Good enough. Yeah, I don't think that's all you wanted. Mm-hmm. Just like a check in those the, boxes. In the drills, they didn't blow anyone away, but I don't think any either hurt their draft stock. Yeah, which I think is most. Last important. year we saw, I think, you know, Benny Stell kind of hurt his with some of his times. Yeah, he and I think Derek Beatty hurt his with his run. Yeah. So I don't. But this year, that they were they were just fine, which is why. I mean, if you're not going to improve your draft stock, you want to keep the same, and I think they kept it the same. A couple of the the people that surprised me though, Albert O. Yeah. How about that, man? Jesus, that dude. I honestly, I was just ready to like. I was shocked by that because he. What was it? Four four nine. Four four nine. Jesus. And, like, that dude is a guy who's been – he's been, like, the South Carolina of SEC media. Just hyping him up. He had six – no, he had, a, he had 11 touchdowns as a freshman. and had 12 the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, it was like, all right, well, where did that, all that production go? And I think he just told NFL <coughs> teams – Derek, do it! <coughs> <laughs> I think he just told NFL teams, hey, um, you know, throw jump balls to me. I can, I can, I can do stuff for you in the red zone. Yeah, I mean that. I think him specifically uh, under Josh Heupel in his first year, he had twenty nine grabs, four hundred fifteen yards, fourteen yards catch, eleven TDs, touchdown rate of thirty seven point nine percent. Then Derek Dooley for two years, sixty nine grabs, seven hundred seventy two yards, yards per catch, lost three, went down to eleven. He only had twelve touchdowns as opposed to eleven. So I think he's really just a red zone. Player, I I don't think he's a down to down tight end. I think if you take him, if someone takes him second or second round or so, I think there that's going to be a reach. But that time and uh, what he graded out, not just that, just in other athletic stuff, was stuff people are going to fall in love with. 
He still wasn't the best athlete, though, at the combine. Best athlete there by far, Michael Turk. Not even close, really, if you ask me. Who's that? Michael Turk. Who's that? The Arizona State punter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got 25 reps up off the bench press. Yeah, that's a little, I love it. That's freaking awesome. He set a broad jump record for punters. And mm-hmm. I think that, no, it was vertical jump. Um, but just absolutely, like, I love the, just the punter. Like, what do bench press reps do for a punter? But you know what? He's an athlete. Fish off the guns, baby. And, like, uh, if uh, Hecker, I mean, Dude, he, he's got a good arm, so they can do more stuff with him mm-hmm. than they have. So, like, hell, you got to show off what you got there. Mm-hmm. And that kid certainly did. Really, Isaiah Simmons, though, is just like. Oh, good. He, he is a robot. Made he's not going to go in the factory. top three, and he should. Yeah, and he's not going to go in the top three just because, th- I mean, this is a loaded draft. Yeah. Like it At specific positions. Tackle. Tackle. Receiver. Quarterback's good. Quarterback like, is Good. Top heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw – so we were at – Tight end's not great. Interior line's not great. I was at uh, the capital of the South End, Texas Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma? Yeah. We went Dixie because we knew Oklahoma was going to be too crazy. Yeah, you can't get in there. Man. <laughs> no, you can't get in there. It's <laughs> like getting into a New York nightclub, getting into uh, Oklahoma, Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> I was sitting there Monday night with the wife, and she's like, is that combine still going on? And they had, like, a leftover combine. Where it, I guess it was, like, college football skills competition. Almost like what they do with the dunk contest. Oh, yeah. And Riley Neal was throwing in it. I'm like, what the hell is Riley Neal? <laughs> he couldn't throw passes for Vanderbilt. What the hell is he thinking he's going to do throwing passes somewhere else? Like, some of those quarterbacks that you had at the combine, it's like, really? But teams need them. So, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um were there any other crazy people out there? Oh, did you hear what the Patriots told Jared Pinkney? No, I did not. Tell me. <laughs> During his interview, this is this is what Pinkney said too while talking to the media. Said, "Yeah, it was kind of weird because I answered a question one way, and they said, no, you shouldn't have answered it that way. That's a loser's mentality.' Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. And you know what though? I guess they won't be drafting Jared Pinkney. That's what you come to expect from a Vanderbilt football player. Yeah, I guess so. Did you see the Willie Gay numbers he put up? Yeah, man. <sighs> Freak. He, Isaiah Simmons is the only dude that beat him in like yeah. everything. Yeah, for absolute freak. And then C.J. Henderson it's, had a big 40. I, all right. On Willie Gay, though, that's another reason why uh, Joe Moorhead didn't have a job anymore mm-hmm. and why that he should have just got fired. I mean, like – you know, I, I kind of been back and forth on this whole, you know, let's bring up the Egg Bowl again. But, like, even though I, there was a side of me that was like, oh, but you're Mississippi State. Dude, they've had some studs in there. Yeah, for sure. Like, and did you go 500 over two years? Like, yeah, you beat Ole Miss, but they stunk. Just look back at that defense, 2018. Montez Sweat. Simmons. Yeah. Who, that was Stenberg. That was his best trash mm-hmm. talker. Yeah. Or, is it best trash talker? Or yeah, best? best trash talker. Yeah. Then get Willie Gay. Earl Thompson will be back this year still at Mississippi State. Cameron Dantzler is going to get drafted. Jonathan Abram was a first-round safety pick. I mean, just I mean, stupid. They were, they were loaded, and he just did set up on a tee, and damn Yankee carpetbagger went and mm-hmm. ruined it for him. Right. Um, but C.J. Henderson, do you, are you still on this like, I don't know about him. Yeah. Well, he's Florida gets – it happens all the time. We saw it with Hargraves. We've seen it with other Florida corners. They get in. And they they get to move around because they don't tackle. 
C.J. Henderson, he's a great cover guy. Got great speed, but he doesn't tackle. Hmm. So, and he's short. What is he? He's barely six foot tall. Yeah, yeah. So, good. I'm not – that's going to be my take of the first round. He's going to be taken, and I'm going to say that's – Bust. That's a big reach. Oh, man, it'd be a real shame if the Bengals picked him. Yeah, well, they're not going to pick him. Thank God. <laughs> it'd be a real shame. Just saying. Um I'm trying to think. Have we? I, I, I feel like we moved fast and furious through some of this stuff. Oh, I almost forgot. Maction. Ball State, 2029? 20, 27. 27, close Damn enough. it, Luckett. I thought you were a football guy, man. Come on. How you get that wrong? My bad. Won't have happen so, again. What do I? I'll be 30. Yeah, I'll be 30. I'll be. Think how old your kid will be then. God. I'm going to be coach. He's going to be playing football. Mm hmm. Man. That's crazy, twenty twenty seven. But I mean, the 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 reason why it's significant news though is that that scheduling formula ain't going anywhere, folks. And I know a lot of people out there want to see Kentucky play in one of these kickoff classics. And uh, frankly, like you're Kentucky, it ain't happening until they go nine game schedule. Yeah, because it's. Even if you like, you're not guaranteed to win those matching games. You've been playing some of the tougher teams, playing them close. Um, so you know you you got to get what you can in, and it's going to be two matching, an OVC opponent, and from the FCS, and then Louisville, and that's from here on part, yeah. until 2027, maybe 29. Now I will say this. Uh, the Mac is so strapped for cash that getting out of those is not hard if Kentucky wants to do it. To go and if they wanted to play a, let's say, Iowa in Cincinnati or something like that. So if they were coming off of, let's say, it would, it would have to be one of those years too where they know they've got a good team coming back. It'd be almost like this year, really. Yeah. Where, all right, let's buy out of that Eastern Michigan game and. Go do a big game. The only right. problem with it is that you're in Kentucky's case, it really does have to be like an Indy or a Cincinnati. Uh huh. Like you're you're not gonna play like Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. Yeah. Or here's the thing. I, I think, like I like Iowa because you get the Stoops factor in there. If UK did it, I don't think the fans would necessarily like the opponent because they're probably gonna do like a Big Ten school. Yeah, and if you did ACC, there's nobody from there worth playing besides Clemson. You're going to do that either. Well, it just it just wouldn't make any sense per se unless it was like in Nashville to play an ACC school. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do Atlanta and like yeah. and play Duke, but like if it had schools are a big draw. If they do it, it's going to be in Cincinnati or in probably Cincinnati. They're going to want to do it in Cincinnati because Ohio, recruiting wise. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I just don't I mean, see it happening. You see, would would do anything to play Kentucky in but that Cincinnati. That doesn't help Kentucky though, right? <laughs> so right. So they're in a peculiar spot. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky fans would get hyped if it was like Wisconsin though. Yeah, they're 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 or Michigan State. Game. But you don't get anything about playing Purdue. You don't get anything nope. out of that. You don't get anything out of playing Minnesota. Except kicking Mike Sanford's ass. Yes. I think they're I think they're cool with just and they should be cool with just make they play these games in the bowl. Yeah. So the, I think they're cool with as long since they have to since they're locked in to play Louisville as that 
ten, uh, the ninth right now, potentially tenth if the SEC goes nine games, Power Five opponent. They're cool with just playing, you know, a max school in an FCS as long as they'll let them, which might change soon. You might have to play all Power Five or all FBS sometime in the future, which I'm cool with. Yeah, I, I like a good maxing. Could be, yeah. I think just that their my thought is just we let's just we're Kentucky. Let's make a bowl. Yeah. Let's secure a bowl game every year and, and figure it out from there. And I know that like it's a little bit like oh well we've taken another step. Well, what if Stoops takes that next step elsewhere and Kentucky's back in the crapper? Like I, I I'm not yeah with the way football scheduling works. I, sure. I'm not too proud to you know like forget. The what happened when I was growing mm-hmm. up, right? Remember the Ohio game with the throwback helmets? They freaking lost. I was there. Yeah, it was horrible. It was like, oh, finally they did something cool, and then they get their ass kicked by Ohio. No, was that Frank Solich? He's been no. there forever. No, that was before he came. I think. Okay, that I was mean, 04. I just would assume he's been coaching at Ohio since, you know. And that was a bad Ohio team. Yeah. Let's not forget, Kentucky's lost their last two games with WKU. Yeah. Seriously, folks, that that was the last one of those big games. It was down in Nashville. They lost to Bobby they did that, Petrino. They did that twice, and the crowds there both stunk. Yeah, Louisville just played WKU down there last year, and like fifteen thousand people were there. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't even on TV. I mean, that was funny. It was on like Facebook or Stadium. Something. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't even put it on like Fox Sports South or something. Which at least like. I watch a lot of Dayton Flyers games. Well, the thing they'll mm-hmm. put they'll always throw those on Fox. Well, Fox. the thing was W. Because it was technically WKU's home game, they got the TV rights, right? And the Conference USA contract, they only they, they, they how only, it worked. They they whatever, however that worked, it went to the stadium. They only get game. so many CBSN games, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking oh. of fans, though, okay, what do you think of uh, Stoops' comments about uh, asking for more from the fans? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good constructive call to action. Yes, because. That, I guess that's the one thing we left out was that he talked about breaking Vince Merrill's arm mm-hmm. over a drink, signing a deal. Oh, Youngstown humor. And then Vince went and made another deal the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but he also was like, you know, A, we couldn't do it without the administration, but we also couldn't do it without fans. And what I thought it was um, significant enough for me to – Type out the entire three paragraphs worth. A lot of times when he gets on those kind of coachy talks, right? I'll just like, all right, whatever. We don't need these canned answers. I don't need to share it. But I thought it was significant because a lot of it was like, thank you for what you've done, but we need more, and you don't know how much it means. And I don't know how many people are listening, but I know a lot of those diehard season ticket uh, ticket holders were listening. And I think part of that will – I mean – I think that's also like a we need you at the spring game too kind of deal. And I think it also is showing that like as much as he he remembers that first spring game. I think he was blown away by the reception, the response. Um, and I think he's trying to, to recapture that and make sure that it doesn't get stale. Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Kentucky in 2018 played Georgia for the SEC East Championship. Mm-hmm. And on the visitor side of the stadium, upper deck, it was 75% Georgia fans. Yeah. At least that's what it's felt like. Yeah. If they get to have a special season like that again, can't have that. You just can't have that. Like, in a game like that, that magnitude, you can't have the other team 
have twenty five thousand people at the game. Yep. You can't. You just can't have that. No matter how good Georgia travels. Yes. So what's happening? Like the administration's proven they're all in. Stoops, you know, it's proven he's all in and he's they got the results. In there, there's not they're not hiding from the, their expectations, which is they want to win the East. I mean, that's the next goal. But to do it, they need the fan support. They so they're asking. They've done all they can. Now they're asking the fans, and I mean, I think it's a fair, fair, fair question to ask or fair plea to ask. No, it definitely is, and I kind of became jaded on this issue. Like it, I'm going to be straight up. I know a lot of y'all listening out there are probably like, "Oh, Roush, what the hell? Why are you going to throw the fans under the bus?" But when I saw the crowd for Josh Allen Senior Day against Middle Tennessee, I don't even think he—he's not even a senior, was he? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was, he was a senior. senior, true senior. Yeah, well, Mike Edwards, all those guys, and it was a half-ass empty stadium. It was a little cold, but it was and but it was against a good Middle Tennessee State team that played for a conference championship game. The stadium was half empty. I became jaded, and I don't think it's going to happen. I'd love to be peripheral, right? But I think it's a fair ask mm-hmm. because, like you said, they're they're going to need it. For me, as a guy that went to the game, was excited about the Georgia game, walking up to where I was sitting there and being surrounded by Georgia fans was – Pissed you off, didn't it? Quite frankly, it sucked. Yeah. That, 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 that can't happen, bottom line. And I think that's what Stoops was trying to portray. we got to feel the state. we got to make it hard for – if we have moments like that, it's got to be hard for the other team to get in. you got to sell it out a month in advance. They did, but the, <laughs> part of the problem was in that game is Georgia fans, fans bought all the tickets. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you, you can't do the uh, – this ain't old Kentucky where you just walk up and buy a ticket the day yes. from a scalper. Yes. It's, it's not as easy as it used to be. And I think, again, they're trying to – in subliminal messaging, they're trying to tell people that we think this is going to be a special year. Get ready. Get on the train. Get your tickets now. Mm-hmm. And that was just my take from it. And I think more of that's going to come, especially as the summer goes and when we get into season ticket information season. Mm-hmm. No, they're going to have to live up. They're going to have to hold up their end of the bargain. But Terry Wilson gets back and is healthy. Eh? Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean we've got to see what what this what Terry looks like, obviously, and what the receivers look like. I think the defense is going to be like I really do think this. I I put out what I think the starting eleven would be on Twitter yesterday, and that's it. That's I think it's top ten in the country. Good. I think that's potential. And I think they have depth at a lot of spots. I think Georgia's going to be the best defense of the SEC, but I think there's going to be a competition for about for with about three teams at for second, three or four teams, and I think Kentucky's among those three or four teams. So it's going to be a defense-driven team, should have good special teams, punt, hashtag punt to win, and then it just comes to offense. Mm-hmm. The offense doesn't have to be great, but it has to be good. Can the offense – get to the level that it needs it to be. To do that, it needs good quarterback play. It needs an improved passing game. The receiver's got to step up. And then if you can achieve that balance, you got the offensive line and running back to really hammer teams on the ground. Getting fired up. Mm-hmm. I'm getting fired up. Well, I'm also a little tired. we got a 9 o'clock tip-off. Kentucky's got to kick Tennessee's ass. Senior day. Senior day. God, I hate Tennessee. They're just the freaking worst. But you know what I love? Sword performance. Make sure you're staying hydrated with Sword. I enjoy the nice shield. Lemonade, probably my early favorite. Big fan of the lemonade. They got the electrolytes you need to stay hydrated. Stick with Sword performance. They're fueling. 
Kentucky Sports Radio, and they're feeling Lynn Bowden on his journey to the NFL. Thank you all so much for listening. we got plenty of more coming throughout spring practice. As Mark Stoops said, we're just getting started, bro.